That L Word Podcast. Do you need the leadership work? Can you even love? A podcast about leadership and everything that people are afraid to say out loud. Do you love yourself? Because if you ain't leading yourself, how can you lead a multi-million dollar corporation? Yeah. We're back again. We're back. We got uh We did a wardrobe change so the videos look different. I feel good in this shirt. I love this shirt. Change will come when action takes place. That's actually perfect for what we were getting ready to talk about. Is it? What we talking about? Why you became a coach. Ah, change. There we go. Ah, I love how we are able to spin things. (laughs) And that wasn't even a spin. That was just there. Why did it? Oh, my goodness. Have you ever questioned why you did anything? Uh, Yeah, I think I probably question why I've done a lot of things. Yeah. Any regrets? Yeah, of course. Of course, huh? I think anybody who says they don't regret anything in their life is a liar. (laughs) Everybody's got a regret. Well, you said that with a little bit of passion. Is a liar. Have you... (laughs) Have you honestly met somebody in life with no regrets? I used to say that. Have you? Okay, back to my. This is from the previous episode. One of my favorite scenes in We're the Millers okay. with Jason Sudeikis, who's Ted Lasso, okay. and also um, Jennifer Aniston. Okay. They're in, in uh, this this girl who's like kind of their fake daughter. Ah, it was in the, the like the in RV. The, or something. the RV, okay. and she's got the boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. And he's got no regrets, but it's. Nah, regrets. Yes, sir. And he's like, you don't regret one thing, not even one letter. Anytime I hear no regrets, that's what comes (laughs) to mind. Because he regret that tattoo because it was spelled incorrectly. (laughs) Wow. I I totally derailed this. No, you no, you didn't, man. Like I think that's the the whole thing is like we're going down paths that you don't know what the the outcome is going to be, and it's not going to be perfect. Yeah. You know, you you may you and it's it's okay to have regrets. I guess it is okay to have regrets. Yeah. As long as you don't I, dwell I, on it or get stuck in it. or As long as you don't get stuck in it. You know, and it's that whole don't get stuck in the pits, right? Perfection doesn't exist. Immortality and time travel. You can't go back and fix it. Can't go back. So you can, I think the regret to me is, do I regret doing something? Yes. Did I learn from it? Yes. Did I, you know, did it set me on a different path? Yes. So. Do you regret become, becoming a coach? Oh, no. Oh, that's how we walk right into that one. <laughs> yeah. You knew the answer to that. <laughs> if I, I did, don't I know. If I did, I wouldn't be doing it. <sighs> I can't. You wouldn't be doing it. I'm, you asked me a question. Yeah, okay. No, well, I would sure. not be doing it. Okay. Because we also had an episode talking about people doing things they don't want to do. For sure. <laughs> For sure. And and I mean, I think that's that's probably happened in... I don't know. I'm thinking back to my professional life, and honestly, I don't regret you anything are there either. Right now, yeah. I meet my previous, like my military career. Okay. I, I loved every second of it. There were times that sucked. <laughs> hell, yeah, we do not agree on this one. <laughs> I did not love every second of that damn hell. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> but there are moments where I'm like, yeah, that kind of sucked. Collectively, and, and it was that. awesome. But yeah, there are yeah. moments that would hell no. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, and there's, you know, I call it deployment amnesia. You know, you go on deployment, first couple months, everybody's having fun. About midway through, everybody's starting to get on each other's nerves. 
And this is all pre-war stuff when you're just stuck on a ship mm -hmm. or stuck somewhere with a bunch Not of people. Engaged. Yeah. 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 And then like that last month. You're excited again because you like, know it's the last month. Oh, no. I go the opposite. I'm like, I hate how you breathe. <laughs> right? Like, I want to punch you in the face just for existing. <laughs> just get away from me. And then you get home. And two weeks later, everybody's like, that was the best time ever. And you're totally ready to do it again. So I know for my career, I'm sure I've got deployment amnesia where there's moments that I was miserable or didn't like something. I just don't remember them now. All I remember is like the good the stuff. The good stuff. Yeah. But the good stuff, I think, to answer or to, to further us down this road is what led me to where I am. What led you to becoming a coach? Yeah, it's because that was the piece. That's what kept me in the military the last decade because the first couple decades was doing all the really fun stuff that I loved and that's what I joined to do. And oh, then that was a good one. What? What you just said. Well, yeah. That's I mean, why you stayed in the last. Hey, I never looked at it like that. It is. I did not anticipate enjoying or loving that job as much as I did. So when I got into that, like very senior leadership position, I thought, I honestly, Morgan, I thought I will do it for the couple, like the rest of this enlistment. I'll do it for these two or three years. And then I was going to go to PA school. Really? That was my plan. I can't even see you doing that. I've got a whole binder. I think I finally threw it away with all the schools I researched, all the programs, where I would live, everything. There's no way in heck I could see you going back to something like that. Well, it's because you didn't know me when I was in medicine. Okay. And so I had just come from being in medicine to then moving into the leadership stuff. So I thought, okay, I'll do this thing for a few years. Then I'll go to PA, you know, get out, retire, go to PA school and blah, blah, blah. And about a year into that job, I, I had one of those moments where I'm like, it just dawned on me. I loved it. You loved the people. I loved the people. I loved interacting with the people. I loved, like, leading bigger teams. I loved the coaching aspect of it. I loved all of it. And, you know, and I think I've said this on air before, like, I lost a lot of money when I went from my old former life, that first couple of decades, into the leadership position because I lost all my special pays. You know, so I lost well over $1,000 a month. That's a lot of money. I mean, for us it is, yeah, right? For some people, they're like, yeah, that's but for us, that's yeah, a lot that's of money. Yeah, that's a lot of money. It's like, give me $1,000 now, I'll be happy. Right. And, and so, <laughs> but I stayed in because I loved that job so much and I continued to do it for that last decade. And I think it helped me transition easier as well because I had already kind of gone through like the okay I'm not doing all the super action oriented fun stuff right then I moved into the leadership position but that first one I was still in that organization and then after that I kind of moved away you probably from didn't have, you hadn't let go you probably were saying like this is a temporary thing you hadn't like fully like invested into that position yet well and I say everybody's got to go through a mourning process especially if you were in a really action oriented job you got to go through the morning process You've got to go through the mourning process of like, I'm not the action guy anymore. And so I was able to mourn that while I was still there in that organization, but realizing that I was in a different position. And I think this is something that a lot of leaders go through. You're not the, and, and you know, you can apply it to whatever. I'm not the individual contributor anymore. I'm not doing the thing. Now I'm paid to lead the people doing the thing. And you mourn that, and you get through it, and then you're able to better be 
to be a better leader, a better coach, a better mentor, a better, you know, whatever else. What does the morning look like? It's different for everybody. What did it look like for you? It's been a long time, so I think it was first acknowledging to myself I'm not the action guy anymore. I'm not the, you know, and to put it in layman's terms again, I'm not the individual contributor. I'm not doing the thing that this organization is designed to do, which for us, you know, is deploying and doing all that stuff. I don't do that anymore. I don't do medicine anymore. I don't, you know, now my job is to, to lead the team that does those things, whether it's through support or actually out doing the thing. So once I acknowledge to myself I'm not doing it anymore, then you're able to kind of separate the identity, whether you admit it or not. Everybody attaches a part of their identity to what they do. And I was able to start to separate that and realize that was not my identity or that piece of my identity was gone. And then you're looking at like, what is it that I'm here for? What's my purpose? We talked okay. about this a little bit in the last episode. Right. It was around that time, probably that year mark, where I just, I had this epiphany of like, wow, I really love this other purpose. Which is? For me, it was leading and walking around and talking to everybody and building the team and making sure that everybody had what they needed to be the best that they could be at doing the thing. And once I realized that, then I kind of started to settle into it. Because for us, when you get out of that organization and go the route that I did, then you can go, you know, I spent my whole career with the, with the Marines and reconnaissance and MARSOC. And then you get out of that and you're like, then I was a command master chief. My rate was gone. I didn't even have the medical badge anymore, right? I was right. The, just a command master chief. I could end up on a ship. I could end up anywhere. So it's really rolling the dice. That's how much I loved it, Morgan. I was willing to roll those dice. Now, the dice are loaded that you're probably going to end up with the Marines because that's what we've done. And, you know, it yeah, makes sense, yeah. right? Um, but I was willing to take that chance and roll the dice because I loved the leading aspect. And part of me was kind of like if I'd gotten a ship, it would have been it would have sucked because I would have left the girls here and I would have gone. Because I don't know anything about those. I know the pointy end goes forward, right? <laughs> because right. all even my time spent on ships was always with the Marines as just cargo, passengers. Um, but part of me was kind of like secretly wanting that to happen because it would have been something new to learn and a different set of people to lead. But again, I think leadership is agnostic to, to the industry. And that's, so I started to realize that. And with coaching, you know, I have clients that are every, every facet, like every industry you could imagine, they're all over the place. And so people always ask, like, and you even asked me at one point, like, no, who do you want to coach? And I'm like, I want to coach leaders. Yeah, but what leaders? Leaders of what? I, I truly don't care. Okay. I want to coach leaders that want to be better. That's the thing. Leaders that want to be better better humans, better leaders, those, that's my target audience. I don't care who you're leading or what industry you're in. That doesn't matter to me. The conversations that we have as people and leaders are the same regardless of industry. Right. Right? So once I started to realize all of this, then I, for me, it just happened naturally. I'd go to the, you know, up to D.C. all the time for meetings or whatever, and I've got a very good friend, a best friend who's, 
high school buddy who lives up there in Arlington and works at a massive accounting firm has been doing that as long as I was in the military. And of course we always link up and see each other and, and whatever. And we always ended up talking about our people. And this is where I truly started to realize that it didn't matter who you were leading or it didn't matter the industry that you were leading in. That the issues, the challenges, the obstacles that he and I were talking about were the exact same and mm -hmm. we're in completely separate industries. So we would always have these conversations and catch up and, you know, over a few drinks or dinner or whatever. And we were sitting down having drinks in this bar and we were talking about leadership challenges. And he was telling me about one of the people in his organization who was, had been a great individual contributor and they were moving up through the leadership change and they were facing some challenges. Great human, great at what they did, but just didn't, I mean, when and where do you ever learn leadership? right outside of the military. Yeah. And so this this individual was having some challenges and they had hired an executive coach. And of course I'd heard the term but I didn't really know what it meant. And so I asked him a little bit about it and he kind of explained it. And I was intrigued and I just remember thinking in that moment and I was drinking I was drinking a uh, vodka tonic and I remember thinking that's what I want to do when vodka I retire. You drink liquor? Yeah, man. I didn't know that. When I quit drinking beer I had to start drinking <laughs> Liquor. I've never seen you drink. Ever. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't drink a lot, but um, anyway. Yeah. So, but it was that moment where I was like, I think that's m maybe what I want to do when I get out. And I went back. A lot of times I would stay with him, crash at his house or whatever, but I think our schedules weren't right. So I went back to my hotel that night and I must have stayed up for three or four hours after I got back to the room researching coaching executive coaching leadership coaching all that kind of stuff and by the time i got home i had already built a binder like i was just talking about for pa school i'd already built a binder of the different coaching courses what icf was the path that i you know wanted to be on and i think it was probably within three months i was signed up for my first like coaching course to start the journey, but it was, it was the journey of realizing this is what I love doing because it's what kept me in the military, even though I was being paid less. Right. It was realizing I'm agnostic to what you do. I just want to talk about leadership and being a better human. And then it was the realization that there's actually a way I can do that outside of the military as a civilian and in a way that I want to do it not in a way where somebody else is like is infringing upon my hard nose, mm. which is I don't want to sit in meetings. I don't want somebody else controlling my schedule, you know? And so that's, that's how I ended up on the journey of, of being a coach. Yeah. We ain't never had that conversation before. I could have sworn. We ain't never <clears throat> tell you. I don't know. I know none of that. You met the guy in my retirement. Who? Keith. Okay. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, you met him. And uh, I mean, I was just up there. I went back up to speak at the National Sheriff's Association um, in like one of the breakout rooms. And so I don't get up to D.C. as much as I used to, obviously. But um, yeah, we just when I was I was up there a few months ago for that and caught up again and, and all that stuff. That it's so funny, man. I, I graduated high school in Pensacola. I only lived there two years. But those are the like that's. If somebody asks, like, where did you grow up or 
what's I think of that place as home Pensacola, because Florida. Yeah, because those are the guys, there's six of us that are still like, you know, best friends, super tight. And uh, we used to get out at least once a year and try to like have a guy's trip. It's been a while because of life and everybody gets busy. But those are the guys that anytime any one of us are anywhere close, we always get together and, and see each other. You got to have that group, man. Yeah, yeah. I've got that group from high school. I've got a group like that from the military. And then I've got a much smaller core of that that are civilian friends that I've made since the military. Yeah. Or, you know, that were kind of through the military journey. But so I've got three kind of like three groups of best friends. Nothing wrong with that. Some people don't have one. Well, we <laughs> talked about that many episodes ago when we were talking about the dartboard. Like, oh, so yeah, I've the, got the a, inner I've, circle. I've got a group yeah, yeah. that is comprised of three groups of people that are in the bullseye. And then it goes out from there. Right. It is a, it's a hell of a journey to becoming a coach, man. It's not always what you think it's going to be. It started for you with athletic coaching. Personal, uh, I don't even know. I don't, let me let me go back. Like I, I literally have not at all ever thought about this. So bear with me if I try to like have think of moments. Um, like I grew up, like I didn't have a lot of. Um, a lot of pe- mentorship. I had like uh, a couple people that uh, you know that were at my retirement or, or that I, that I love like family to this day, right? And um, but I, I I'm always I, I didn't meet my dad to uh, no fault to his own. Just want to make sure we clear on that. I didn't meet my dad till well, I think I was ten, um, and so I was always starving for like. I guess mentorship, companionship with a, like uh, um, guidance. Guidance, you know what I mean. Uh, I was in the streets a whole lot, and I was and I was always looking for a family. Like you know, I was always looking for people, um, and I would I would unhealthy unhealthily attach myself to different groups. And this is when the gangs things were going on. This is where just people doing bad stuff, right? And I I had groups of people were were doing good, and it in in high school. Uh, when I realized I wasn't going to graduate, I switched off the bad group and started hanging with the people that were focusing on graduating, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's the when I started to realize, like, the people in your circle will decide what direction you go in life. Because uh, I, I made, and I, I don't think it was a conscious decision, but it was a decision. This is that whole year, like the average of the two to three people you hang around the most. Yes, and I was hanging around people that I mean, there's one guy still in jail for murder, uh, you know, uh, breaking in the house, stealing cars, fighting drugs. Like I was around those type of people, and like life was hard. It mm-hmm. was really hard. It wasn't, and, it, and I can't remember it really being fun. It's more like surviving, uh, as I know it now. But I think it was probably fun in the moment because that's what all I knew. But I. Start hanging around with the kids that were they had jobs, their parents were involved. Um, they were talking about graduation. They were talking about senior parties or what they were doing next in their career. Like the other group wasn't talking about that at all. Yeah, it wasn't a thing. It's like, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Like it wasn't like if you did something positive, it was looked look down, down on. Yeah, 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 it was like look down. Like what? What are you doing? You going to somebody's military? Or, yeah. You know, the other one's like, congratulations, man. Hey, when do you leave? And you know, yeah. let us know when you come back. And 
it was a totally different feel. And my my introduction to the military, I had a lot of people that helped me, right? Uh, I think I've told some stories about it, so I'm not going to go into that. But as I look back along my career path, um, physical ability was one of the things I think it was um, – like you, is in my military career, and I was, like, getting closer to, I was like, okay, what I want to do the next in my life? And I think it was early. It was, like, 10 years in. I was like, what am I going to do when I leave here? And I was a paralegal in the Marine Corps, but I was also a um, martial arts instructor, small weapons, and I handled physical fitness, like uh, body composition platoon. People that were overweight, I would help them. Like, And I did it at every duty station because that – that's what brought me back. I'm like, man, I love to see the change in the people, how you can take somebody um, from, you know, unhealthy, out of shape, overweight to so they, 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 I had people say things like, I said, what, what, I remember when I asked that guy, was like, what changed here? Because he went back to his unit and I had him for a while and he was progressing, but he was only with me for as he was like um, a temporary, mm -hmm. right? TAD, right? And so I seen him, he said, he said, because you cared. And I started to realize that people were met, making, I think that's why I realized then that people were making changes, not because I was showing them physical fitness, because I was in, invested in them. Yeah. Right. And that brought, that makes me, even thinking about it right now, it makes me feel good. And like, if I look back, I, I, I had one call me, it was a physical fitness one. I used to make her go work out. She used to hate it. Eat it, but she had no choice, right? That's what I said. You yeah. gonna do this? Is what you gonna do, <laughs> right? And uh, but she called me one time and she said, "I just want to thank you for, for making me do the things I didn't want to." One, I love my body now. Two, I love who I become. Mm -hmm. And it's like that. I kept getting those seeds planted, like boom, boom, boom. And I was like, whatever I do when I get out, it's gotta be with fitness and it's gotta be with people. Okay, what does that look like? Personal trainer. And so I started uh, working on the certification of a personal trainer when I deployed to Afghanistan, 2011. Um, and I did a little bit while I was there, and I did. And I got to finish finalize the certification when I got back. And I was in Albany, Georgia, and um, I was riding bikes, you know, like like I like to do. And um, one of the spin instructors had to go out of town on a vacation, and. I was like, she's like, you want to teach a class? I said, I ain't certified to teach dope spin class because I've seen it up there, up there. Like, yeah. they was going crazy. I, was, I just ride bicycles. Like, this, this is all I do. She said, you'll be fine. Play some music. Tell them what to do. You can do all that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and I did it. I had a great time. And so after that, I got certified to be a, um, a spin instructor uh, with Mad Dog uh, uh, Athletics, I think, or Incorporated. And um, I started doing group-type sessions with that type of stuff. And... Again, it was like it was. I had a connection with the people. Like I took that class. It was. I remember having two people in the class, even one some days. And before I left, I had a. You had a wait list to get in, right? And because that's how good the class were. But it wasn't. I don't think it's ever different in the physical sense. But like, I think I I've. Going through this journey in my life where I've had a this this, emotional mental connection with people that I don't I didn't understand at that point. And people would ask me to start speak, right? They, I remember my, they were like, can you come to my school and speak? Can you come to mm -hmm. my students? Can you come to my employees? Can you speak? And that's when the speaking started, all from the fitness aspect of it. Um, and as I kept growing, um, I had, after I came back from Afghanistan, I had some in, deeper anxiety and depression issues. 
and it was mostly it what it was more survivor's remorse, but also I felt like I was doing like my job that I was doing. I didn't really want to do it, and so I started to go to counseling to mental health, and I'll never forget this guy. He was some like he had to be like a, a Albanian or Russian or some somewhere over there. Yeah. Like I know that's probably two different places, but I'm just saying he's somewhere in the European continent in that area, and. He told me, he's the first person that told me, he says, you go to work every day trying to change the world when you need to change the people that are in front of you. I was like. Yeah, that's pretty deep. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and it's one of those guys that would just counsel to sit there and he don't say much. But when he say something, yeah, it was really impactful. There, yeah. Right? He helped me with my sleep. He helped me with that. And then another friend of mine, uh, Terrence Leggett, um, he told me, he said, you worried about everybody else. Worry about the Marines in front of you. Focus on them because, like, I was really upset with the culture itself. Yeah. Right. No different than people being upset with the politics. I, I and people are like, why you don't worry about politics? Because I can't change it. I've yeah. learned that now. Right. And I worry about the what what is happening in my preview, like what's in my sight. And it was it's always been the people. And a young lady told me, he said, Morgan, when you figure it out, you're gonna be great at this. And I all these things and and all these things I'm telling you, like now I understand, but like they were. Separate moments and separate time, and none yeah. of them I could correlate with the other, others. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know. Like I wouldn't think about. Oh, the other person said this. Yeah. Oh, the other person said. They no. just start clicking. They just start kinda, clicking yeah. when I started actually paying attention, and I got really good at it. And so I was like, you know what? I was in California. Uh, her, her name is Paula Paula Newby Fraser, and she asked. She's like, you would be a good Ironman coach for triathlon. And probably Drew Frazier is the queen of Kona. She's yeah. the one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you know triathlon, you know who she is. And literally, yeah, literally she came to me, I, used, I was working for her at the time. He said, Morgan, in her accent, he said, I got something for you before it was even launched. And I was like, what do you got? She said, you should be a triathlon coach. I said, ah, I don't know about that. Right? I didn't know triathlon was a new thing for me. and I didn't mm -hmm. know it that, that well. But what I've noticed is people always ask me to do these things, but it ain't the it ain't the technical side that they see in me. They see the people side, the, the people side that yeah. I don't, I never see. I never, I've, until now, I never saw it. Right, and it was something that I fought. I was like, I don't know, I don't know, and, I, and so that means when I started coaching, I tried to even like physical coaching or executive coach, whatever it is, I tried to do it like everybody else. But that kept me broke. I ain't gonna lie. It kept me broke and want like in turmoil because I'm like, nobody want me and this, this, because I, I was selling myself like other people that were into the technical side, were marketing and things of that nature. But that's not the reason people over time have been telling me, you'll be good at this. You should do this. You should be this. And I started to realize that what my thing was had even now I tell people now it's like. What I coach you in, it could be executive, like you said, it don't matter the leader. What mm -hmm. it don't matter. I could it doesn't matter. I can coach anything. I know that for a fact then now. Because I'm not coaching the thing, I'm coaching the person. person. Yep. Right? And if I make you a great person, no different than Marines, what we learn, if I make you a good person, you do your job well, you'll be a better family man or or, or, or a better family woman, right? You'll be a better leader, you'll be a better uh father or daughter, or whatever it is. Like, cause when you focus on the person. Everything else, it, it transcends every other aspect of life, right? And so I started to really, really get accustomed to seeing people. And then I started to listen. Is when I started doing the more speaking engagements. 
and I started to work with more um, creative directors, and they would start telling me what they see in me, and they would ask me. I'm like, I want to talk about that. I want to talk about this. I say, but that's not you. Mm-hmm. That's not you. And I'm like, no, it, it is me. This is who I am because I'm thinking like I need to be like these other people, and I'm like fighting it every tooth and nail. And I, for some reason, I don't, I don't know what happened. COVID. That's what happened. I stopped coaching during COVID. And when I mean I stopped coaching, I stopped worried about getting athletic clients. Yeah. Right? And I what and I there was Black Lives Matter things going on because of the George Floyd and COVID was happening. So it was a and then I think there was about to elect Trump or something. <clears throat> so it was like total chaos, chaos in yeah. the world. Cats and dogs. <laughs> right? together. And I'm not against anybody. I'm not in political parties, so I'll make sure we're clear. Um and like all that was going on, I was like, and everybody kept asking me, why are you not posting about Black Lives Matter? What's your opinion on Trump and and, and this person? What's your opinion on uh, COVID? Like, why you ain't? I said, because we have, I don't, why do I need to repeat what everybody else is already saying? Mm-hmm. And so I decided to focus on the people because the people, I felt the people needed that. They needed positivity. They needed, that's so why I started dancing in my car on Fridays. Yep. Right? And it was the people. And that literally skyrocketed my career. COVID did. All that stuff. Because that, that, I, I didn't focus on the things that everybody else doing. I did the for the first time. I told you I wouldn't get emotional during this shit. Golly. The first time in my life, I did something I wanted to do for the reason I wanted to do it. Right? And it's literally... You know, you've seen yeah. me grow. Like, you know, I went from, like, this guy doing it, and I was making decent money. That nothing crazy. Uh, maybe $30,000, $30,000 a year. Maybe. Right? And I was happy with that. I ain't yeah. gonna lie. I was totally happy. I so, said, yeah, I made it. I got, I can make this work. Not knowing that there was another, another realm that I haven't even seen yet. Yeah. And working with the people and start – I. Like I, I always tell people, like I, I spoke to over a thousand people during COVID, like that time frame. Like I, I speaking engagements, individuals, like I, and I just helped them. I didn't, I didn't charge them nothing. I just helped them, and that's all I did. And so I just, I went all in on people, and I started to realize, like, damn, I'm good at this. <laughs> like I'm really good at this. And it, I always give the example is like if you know the Matrix, when you look at people. And that scene in the Matrix with with Cipher, where he he's explaining the Matrix to him, and he's looking at the green code falling down. Everybody's mm-hmm. seen that 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 scene, or they, they use it for a lot of stuff. And Cipher sees the lady in the red dress, the the steak, and all right. these different things. And Neo doesn't see any of that. He just sees green code. Mm-hmm. Well, I see what the code stands for in each individual. I can read the Matrix, right? And when I embrace that, holy crap, Jody. Like I got really good. I will say there's a, there's, but there are other things that you're good at. There are other things that we're all good at. Yeah. So there's that. There's got to be this combination. I know there is for me. You know, I love talking to people. So there's a difference between what it's coupling what you're good at with what you love and what energizes you too. I love getting people to open up. About things that they won't tell nobody else. But see, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. and I think that's what makes a good coach. That makes what makes a good whatever it is, you know. But in this case, we're talking about coaching is coupling what you're good at or what you're naturally gifted at with what you are passionate about. Yes, yes. Because if you that's weren't the big passionate one. Yeah, about that's it, the big one. there are people that are good at talking to other people, but if there's no passion there, 
you're going to burn out or it's it's not going to be authentic. It's not going to be it's not going to be the same experience. And, but to your point, like I I am feeling like that way for a lot. And I don't have no problems tell, saying it, like athletic coaching. I felt I see myself transitioning in the next ten to fifteen years, right, to like just what we do now, mm-hmm. because I I'm starting to understand like I, it's it's not the athletics that has was there for me that was just the conduit to get to get me to yeah. where I need to be. That was a stage of my life or yep. a path that I took, and what I really enjoy is when I'm talking to my mom or father or a CEO or a CFO, and we just talking about them as a person so they can be better leaders in the home, better leaders in the organization. That's just, I get excited about that. Yeah. I love that. It, right. And, and, and you have to always just talking to people every day ain't easy. I'm going to say that like, I don't get when people say, Oh, you just talk. <laughs> It's you draining. It's yeah, a whole draining, lot of draining. Yeah. It takes. You see me when I come back from the other day. You said I had to do this. You were telling me about a trip that you took, and you had to go see them. You had to get there. You had to entertain. I call. I call it being Coach Morgan, being yeah. on because you got to be on the yep. whole time. And then you go to your room. You're like, oh, yeah, <laughs> like oh, yeah. right. And so like it made me it gave me a different perspective uh, when I looked at celebrities. Because at first everybody worried about why they stay supposed to do this. But they need time to recharge. Yeah. Like I ain't saying I'm a celebrity in my own right, in my own in my own field, but it takes a lot out of you. And like I was, and I was there were signs again. I was coming home, and, all, and my wife would say, "Well, you were so energetic over there, and now you come home, and we get nothing." Yeah. And she would literally say it just yeah, like that's that. A real thing. And yeah. It was a real thing. So now sometimes I even plan extra days in between me and coming home, or. I'll shut down early while I'm gone so I can, whatever, I'll sleep on a plane, whatever I need to do. So when I get to that house, You're back I'm not home. talking about yeah. I'm tired. You know yep. what I mean? I just want to look at TV. I'm like, how are y'all doing? Y'all want to go somewhere? Like, whatever it is I can do to engage sometimes, that's that's what I'm going to do. I think the leadership tie-in here, it's similar, right? Like, And I know we've talked about leading like a coach before, and that's a leadership style. But as you were talking, I was thinking to myself, Really, what we're talking about is is leadership, mentorship, you know, coaching. It's all, it's all the same sport. Maybe at different levels. Maybe there's different plays or whatever. I don't know. Like I'm not a sports dude, but like it's all in the same room at least. Mm-hmm. So when you think about that, we're talking about what led us to coaching, and both of us, in one way or another, leadership led us into the business of coaching. Correct. But if we were to pull, strip that coaching aspect away, and for our listeners out there, leadership, what is it that's pushed you into leadership? And we've seen people that get pushed into leadership accidentally. I could have never told you that I'd have been leading people. Me either. I wouldn't let, I wouldn't have let me lead people. Well, <laughs> I know and, what I do now. <laughs> but that's, I think what we're talking about is all in, it's, it's in, it's all inclusive and it's important to understand as a leader exactly what you just said. And I'm thinking back now, it's what made me like think about this, where I would, when I was, you know, a, a senior leader in a big organization, I would have to go on all these trips and do all this stuff and always be on. So then when I would get oh, home, I was exhausted. Yeah. Now, you're being paid to do that, and so you don't have as much control, but you, you've got to find it where you can for that exact. You never, and even in coaching, like, 
Like some people say, okay, you was working for the military. It don't matter if you're getting paid by the military or paid by a client. Right. Whatever, whoever paying wants a certain thing from you. So yeah, you, they're paying for, yeah, they're paying you. for that version of <laughs> yeah. you. Right. So however you want to spend it, I'll make a total control. No, you're not. Heck no. Well, I think <laughs> the question I would ask listeners is to consider what's, what has brought you to leadership? Just like we're talking about what brought us to coaching. What has brought you to leadership? What do you enjoy about leadership? What are you passionate about? What Are you even passionate about it? Or are you it? even passionate about it? Yeah. yeah. What, what either makes you want to continue to do it or get out of it? Because I've dealt with both, whether it's in the military or in the civilian side. I have dealt with people, and I was probably one of those people at one point in my career where you're like, okay, and you hear this, especially in the military, I'm done babysitting people. I about just about one thing I won't do anymore. I don't care how much you paying me. I don't care. I ain't, I don't have to. Yeah. If you're not willing to do the work and you don't show up, then you're ready to be. And you might have some time to grow because everybody at different stages sure, of that. Yeah. But you're saying to me that you're willing to listen. You really hear the, hear the hard truth. You want to work on your consistency, your discipline, your your resolve, your, your grit. Like you, whatever. Yeah. Whatever it is, I'm with you. But if you like, oh, and you're the victim every time, and we we can't even be, we can't talk. Like, keep your money. I'm okay. <laughs> well, see, and that's that's on the business side of it, but on the professional side, for those leaders out there that are listening, you are faced with that sometimes, and you can't get away. Can't from get it. away from. But it. then that remember those. We call it my problem child. Like yeah, every yeah, leadership, all, yeah. your, your leadership challenge at every duty station, they would say you're always going to get one leadership challenge, and whoever that person is. But those are the people that make you grow. For sure. And that so that's, totally, yeah, how do you embrace do that and, and, yeah. and look at ways to grow from that? But, you know, that's those are the questions I would ask listeners. Is, that's is, why we're good at it. I mean, this, again, this, uh, it's not because we just like, we, we, we were in those positions, but it, between the two of us, we've probably coached and led thousands. Yeah, I mean, for and sure. So, our inter- so, so I'm talking about the, 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 the experience of that interaction has given us a lot more insight than most people would get in a lifetime. Well, just exposure for sure. And I would never, I stole this from, from Garrett Harrell, um, a friend who's in the, you know, leadership coaching consulting Mm -hmm. industry and got a big boy job and is like moved down to Florida and working for a big organization. Mm -hmm. But I was working with him on a project and, and he said, I'm no expert. I'm not a leadership expert. And I agree with that. I'm on a journey. Mm -hmm. And every time I talk to a client or a group of people, we start with that. Like, hey, I'm on this leadership journey just like you are. I'm on this journey to be a better human, a better leader just like you are. I've been exposed to all of this, but you've been exposed to whatever else. And so when you come together and you facilitate that conversation, rarely, if ever, do I walk away from facilitating a workshop or working with a client where I didn't learn something too. How do they take that, though? Like, I mean... I, I, it's hard for people to, you know what I mean? Like, well, so here's the thing. And, and I think the angle you're coming from, and I don't want to assume. So I'm asking is, you know, they always tell you when you start a presentation or facilitating a workshop to establish yourself as the expert. They do. You're the supposed, authority. Yeah. That's right. You're Those supposed to say the first couple slides or here's why I am the guy I'm, or here's <laughs> why I'm in front of you. So now I look at it from that perspective. I'm in front of you because I've got 30 years of experience doing this, but I'm still no expert. I have a lot of experience and I've seen a lot of things. I've talked to a lot of people. Uh, I've experienced a lot, but I'm no expert. Right. Because that 18 or 19 year old old 
young person I'm in front of might have experienced. You and I grew up very differently, similar in some ways, but different in others. So I learn stuff from you all the time. And I think that they they receive it well because I'm not saying I don't know what I'm, I'm doing up here. I don't have imposter syndrome or any of that kind of stuff when it comes to that. I'm saying I'm in front of you because this is my background and I've got a lot of experience, yeah. but I'm not an expert. But I am up here to like facilitate this conversation, share my experience, and then ask you about yours. Always and that's a, what always makes a great conversation. I always explain it like when people are complaining about doctors, complaining about lawyers, I say, you know, they practice it's medicine. It's called a practice. They practice law, right? I'm practicing coaching because. I'm learning some every every client I get is I learn something totally different, and I had to, I had actually had to uh, talk with a client uh, uh, athlete yesterday about this. And I was like, I only know what I see, I only know what you tell me, and like we if, and if we had only been coaching for two or three months, four or six, that yeah. still ain't enough time for me to make a determination. Like every every time we do something, I learn something, and so I don't know it all. And then like you, I heard the silence is like. But but the, her response was really, really welcoming. It was really understanding, right? And but I don't think people have that's coaches don't say that that often. Like I don't have it all figured out, but I know I don't have it all figured out. That's the coach you want. Right. You meet a coach that said this is you have to do it this way. It's the only way you can do it, and you should go the other direction. I think <laughs> I think coaches and leaders, the best ones are the ones that are curious. Yes. I'm never going to tell you as a coach what you should or should not do. That is not my place. I'm going to ask you the question to elicit the answer that you need to hear from yourself. I think well, I, I mean, I've started asking more questions because I mean, we talked about this before because I am a more, I forgot what you called me. Uh, like you're more directive. I'm more, yeah, I am way more directive, right? Uh, but, I, but I also believe in the asking the question to elicit the response because when it comes from you, it's it's taken quicker. Actually, you can actually process like because I'm a firm believer. If you already have the answer, you just don't know you do. Everybody has, and that's why yeah. I say I'm agnostic to the industry. I don't need yeah. to to coach a person in industry X about industry X. I'm coaching you on your human skills and your leadership skills, and all I'm doing is asking you the question. You've got all the answers in yourself. My job is to play detective and ask the questions to get those answers out. Yeah, and what I, my and I'll, I'll end. I'll end with this: is like one of the things I learned. Big, like we get caught up sometimes in trying to make the most money, have the most clients. Most of the time, the people that you impact, if you focus on them, it could be one, it could be three, it could be twenty. If you focus on what's right for you in that moment, you'll be the most impactful. And like. I had to learn to stop chasing the numbers, stop worrying about uh, quantity, and worry about the quality. And I'll, I'll close with this. I think that's why we decided to have this conversation, because to me, it's it's a extension of leadership. I got into coaching because I love leading and coaching and mentoring so much that it was a natural progression for me. And so the tie-in here for the listeners is, as leaders, ask yourself, what's what's got you there? How can you be better? And then how can you continue to impact people? Because that's what your job is as a leader, is to impact people, not to do the thing anymore. Easy day. Well, that brings us to the end. You do what you do best. You've listened. Now give us a review. 
Share us with everybody, everybody you know, whoever you know. Somebody w- will find value in this. And I know you know at least one person that you would give this episode to, if not other episodes. We appreciate that engagement. We appreciate your help in that area. And keep doing great things. Leave us some stars. Uh, send us your ideas for topics. And uh, thanks for hanging out, everybody. See you later. Bye.